so I said, um, well, are you sure it's just, you know, it's not like backdrafts, you've left a window open somewhere and, and that's what's causing it. And she said, no, no, I'm telling you now, it, it's, it's nothing like that. And she went on to elaborate that her four-year-old son had woken up in the middle of the night and there was an old man standing right next to his bunk bed, staring at him right close to his face, probably six inches away. And he just said, come with me, Thomas, turn around and walk through the wall. Hello, and thank you for tuning into Your Ghost Stories. Today, you're in for a real treat as we have Richard Weil, founder, writer, narrator, and editor of Bedtime Stories, a channel of 800,000 subscribers on YouTube. So big welcome to Rich, and thank you for taking the time to join us. So could you please tell us a little bit about Bedtime Stories and why you started back in 2015? Uh, well, basically, I came from the era of... Uh you know, when X-Files and sort of the, the remake of Outer Limits came out. So uh, I was always into kind of normal and uh, and supernatural. Um, and and my mom's always been to, into that kind of thing. She's done palm reading and things like that ever since she was, you know, a little girl and everything. So uh, she kind of ingrained that into us growing up. She'd tell us ghost stories and things. And me and my brother, Adrian, uh, we had this idea you're talking back in the kind of late nineties, early two thousands to set up a website um, where I would write articles for it, talking about uh, various ghost stories or weird events like, you know, alien uh, sightings and stuff like that. Um, and he, he, he was an artist. So basically he was going to do the kind of banner images for each article. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically where the idea, the genesis of the idea came from. Um and we always talked about it over quite a long period of time. Uh, we just never got around to it. You know how life gets in the way of making other plans and all that kind of thing. Um, and unfortunately, in 2014, he, he passed away. And uh, at that time, I just thought, well, life's too short to kind of uh, not do what you want to do. So it kind of evolved from a website idea into a, a YouTube idea. And basically, that's, that's where you, the bedtime stories came from. Wow, sorry to um, hear about um, the passing of your brother. I know how that feels. I lost mine back in uh, 2008. Oh, sorry to hear that too. Um, yeah, so um, when it comes to uh, creating uh, your YouTube channel, was it something that came really easy or did it uh, take some time for you to um, work something out? Because the channel is so unique in terms of the narrating and down to the artwork that it's just so captivating. But yeah, did it all just sort of fall into place? Um, not initially. I mean, uh, obviously, I, I spent about a year and a half looking for an artist who could uh, kind of replicate my brother's style, which was it was very simple. I don't know if you if you look, but on the videos on our channel, the, the artwork is very simple to start with. And it's not because Mikey's improved. He's just thought, obviously, because we've got such a big following now that he's got to do, you know, put in a bit more effort kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I initially just hired him to do the, thumbnail images i was initially going to go for uh google stock Im images to kind of tell the story um 
but that as soon as I saw how how effective the artwork was, I kind of said, well, actually, do you think you could do this all the way through the video for different scenes? I'm talking about them. And uh, he, he said, yeah, no, that could work. And I said, well, I'm not made of money. So how much could you uh, how much could you do it for? And I think he offered to do it for about six pounds sixty per image. Six pounds sixty six, actually, which is really, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it it worked. And obviously, as as time's gone on, he's 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 on much better salary now. So you know, I'm not I'm not kind of exploiting any slave labor right. kind of thing. But yeah. <laughs> so, have you always had an interest in the paranormal from a young age? What do you think sparked that kind of inside you? Um, just I think my mom. Uh, she'd always tell us these these stories that she uh, growing up that she saw a cavalier standing at the end of a bed and other things that had happened in various houses that she'd lived at and yeah and when the X-Files come out she obviously used to let us stop up and watch that and I guess that just kind of reinforced the, the, the passion for it really but um, yeah me and bro my brothers always used to like you know because we we came from quite a big family so we we often shared a room and we'd just creep each other out at night sitting up in bed telling telling stories like this you know so that's pretty much where it came from going on about um x-files did you ever have the x-files game that was on the ps1 i i didn't because i had a sega Saturn. <laughs> oh, <did you? laughs> i was a big sega fanboy back in the day i mean i did have a playstation that eventually but no i didn't yeah i didn't play that game no I oh, my mum like I used to love watching uh, my mum play it for like hours. It wasn't like um, it was it was like a well, obviously it's a video game, but what I mean is it, it was using actual real video, and it was more like a, a point and click type type of like scenarios mm. thing. But um, yeah, it was it was almost just like watching the X Files uh, pretty much. But yeah, that that got me hooked into it, and uh, but yeah, I've always been sort of a, a fan of uh, the X Files, but um. Talking about um, the paranormal, as this is a uh, ghost podcast, do you have any um, paranormal stories or anything that has happened <laughs> to you? I, I do, actually. I've actually related them on uh, one of our YouTube videos. We started doing the Personal Stories of the Bedtime Stories team um, series of videos, and I've related quite a few stories on there. But, yeah, um, I mean, I, I, do, do you want me to tell them? or? Yeah, yeah, please. Your ghost story. Uh, well, when when I was about, I think, 15, 14, 15, um, a friend of mine, uh, he lived just up the road. He was like my best mate. And obviously he had a PlayStation. So we'd always kind of go around each other's houses and play on like sometimes he'd come around town and I'd go around and play on the PlayStation. But one day I remember I was I was just at the bottom of his garden. There's quite a long path up to his um, up to his front door. And as I'm walking through the front gate at the front of his garden, I see this little girl um, in a pink dress and she's running off around the side of the house. And there's an alley that goes up the side and she kind of disappears around the corner. I didn't think anything of it, of it at the time because he, he comes from a big family too. I think he had four sisters and a little brother. So there was six of them. Um, so I just thought it was one of his little sisters. Um, anyway, go and knock on his door, see if his you know, coming out to, to hang out or whatever. And I said, oh, I just, I, I think I just saw Natalie going up the side. And he said, 
It wasn't Natalie. There's nobody else in the house. Um, I said, but I've just seen somebody going up, a little girl going up the side of your house. He said, no, that wasn't Natalie. He said, I think you've just seen a ghost. And um, I, I asked him what he meant. And he said, well, basically, uh, some weird things have been happening in this house. And we keep seeing this little girl with a pink dress. And it all stemmed from uh, his family went on holiday, basically. Left him in the house on his own for about two weeks. And uh, that, that's that's the length of the time they were they were going away for. But they ended up coming back early. So they'd only been away for four days. And they came back early um, and didn't say why. They just said, oh, we weren't enjoying it. We weren't having a good time or whatever. And after they came back, he started having these experiences where he would hear footsteps running around upstairs when nobody else was in the house. And he'd, he'd be walking past the bottom of the stairs and he'd look up and he'd just see the tail end of a pink dress going around the corner. And it got so bad um, that, you know, he'd start um, like really intense kind of um, thumping noises upstairs. And once he went up there to check and he heard laughing inside one of the wardrobes, he opened up one of the wardrobes. Nobody was in there. And this is when he's in the house on his own. And he told his mom about it, saying, I keep seeing this little girl with a pink dress. And at that point, she confessed to him that basically the reason they came home from that holiday early was because she woke up in the middle of the night, uh, one of the nights they were there, and she saw a, a little girl in a pink dress sitting on the end of uh, their bed in the caravan that they were staying in. And she thought it was her daughter, obviously. She went to grab her, and as she went to grab her, she completely disappeared. Um, and that wasn't enough to, to make him leave the holiday, but uh, throughout the course of the, the, the few days that they were there, this little girl was going into the kids' bedroom in the caravan, and they said she got no face. It was completely blank, no face, and it was it was scaring the children. So basically, they they left because of that, and it must have followed them home because it's it, it then attached, or she attached herself to to my uh, my best mate. That's that's probably not the the, the best one. I mean, I've I've seen other things as well. I lived in a house we we had poltergeist activity and everything, which was really really creepy, but. The poltergeist in your house sounds great. Basically, when um, me and my partner started first started dating, it was about 13 years ago. On uh, probably our first or second date, I think it was, obviously me being who I am and into the paranormal and all that kind of thing, I think one of the questions I asked her, I said, do you believe in ghosts? And she said, yeah, actually, the house that I'm living in is, is haunted. <laughs> and I kind of went, "What? why, what are you talking about? And I'm quite sceptical. Even though I've seen things, I'm still quite sceptical. And I just, uh, you know, she started telling me what she'd been experiencing, like slamming doors, things being uh, falling off shelves and and things like that. So I said, um, well, are you sure it's just, you know, it's not like backdrafts. You've left a window open somewhere and, and that's what's causing it. And she said, no, no, I'm telling you now, it, it's it's nothing like that. And she went on to elaborate that her four-year-old son had woken up in the middle of the night and there was an old man standing right next to his bunk bed, staring at him right close to his face, probably six inches away. And he just said, come with me, Thomas, turn around and walk through the wall. And he was crying his eyes out and obviously called his mom in and he told his mom that that's what he'd seen. So I write, okay, that, that's fair enough. You can't really explain that away with like, open windows and things 
But every time I stayed over at her house, never experienced a damn thing. You know, there was nothing weird ever happened while I stopped there. But when I moved in, uh, probably, I think, 18 months after I met her, I moved in. I finally moved in with her. I started to understand what was going on. And I think the first, my first experience was um, this noise woke me up in the middle of the night and it was like something falling off a shelf. Went into the kids' toy room and their money box, which was full of coins, so it was quite heavy, had just basically fallen off the window ledge in that room and hit the floor. And that's what I'd heard. And I was standing there thinking to myself, well, what the hell could have knocked that off? I mean, even if you've got rats or mice in the house, they're not going to be able to push something like that off. I mean, it's you know, about a kilogram in weight. And over time, uh, things just got worse and worse. You know, um, and I remember the, the the scariest. I'll tell you the scariest instance that I I had, and I'll tell you the weirdest. Um, there's two different. Uh, that's weirdest, not necessarily the scariest, but the weirdest obviously freaked me out in in different ways. We'd love to hear your scariest. Me and my girlfriend were in bed, and uh, I think it was about two o'clock in the morning. And I just woke up for whatever reason. I I just wasn't sleeping very well. I guess. She was fast asleep next to me, um, laying, laying there for about five minutes, and I hear the biggest thump or bang um, that I've ever heard in a house. I mean, it, what the, you know, like people say, oh, it's floorboards creaking back into place or whatever. It's the house making it these house noises. It wasn't anything like that. It was honestly like somebody got a sledgehammer and smacked it against one of the walls. Um, the whole house shook. It, like vibrate. I wouldn't say shook, but it vibrated. That's how intense this 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 thump was, and it was it was that loud that it woke my missus up. She sat up in bed. Went, what the hell was that? I got out of bed, ran out into the uh, hall. Oh, by the way, I should say that I heard the pitter patter of feet running down the stairs after this bang had occurred. Straight after, so it was this big thump. Then there was a pitter patter of feet. I missed that part out. I got out of bed. I ran into the kids' room. Thomas is fast asleep in bed. Callum, now Callum's three years old. Tom's four. Callum is lying there with a the sheet, or rather the, the duvet, right up over his face like that. And I'm I'm saying, are you okay? What's, what's the matter? Do you see some, some, did you see uh, something or whatever? You know, because I, I obviously thought at that time, well, this we knew that, that something weird was going on in the house. And he said there was somebody on the landing. And I said, well, who did you see? And he looked at me and he said, Batman. <laughs> right, now I said, Batman, what are you What are you talking about? Obviously, to a, a, a three-year-old's mind, you've got to think about what a shadow person would look like. And obviously, he's just seen this black shadow on the landing. And I know it was obviously a uh, black shadow because Lindsay, my my uh, partner at the time, she she had seen this black shadow standing next to her bed as well. And uh, he said, yeah, it banged the door and it ran off down the stairs. That's what he told us. Um, but yeah, that was that was quite a frightening experience because it was just so oh, uh, violent. It's the only word I can I can uh, use to describe it. It was it was like aggressive and angry. Um, and the weirdest one I've got to say, the weirdest experience was. Um, I should say at this point, we got a medium out to the house and she made my misses go around saying this prayer like i think it was something like placing angels and 
and saints on the doors and windows to stop anything bad coming into the house. And for a while, the activity completely died away. We didn't experience anything. Um, and it was weird what she said, actually. She said, um, I, I can sense like a cantankerous old man that's in this house. That's the presence that's in this house. And I just thought that was weird because um, the four-year-old had seen like this old man standing next to his bed. And we hadn't said anything to her, obviously. We, we did a what you call um, a blind reading. So she had no information at all. Um, anyway, so after this blessing, the, the activity died down. But then... After about six months, it started to to kind of intensify again. And I remember my my missus at the time, she'd gone upstairs to tidy up the, the children's bedrooms, uh, to do a bit of housework upstairs, I guess. And it was just after Christmas. So you know those chocolate coins that you get with the foil wrappers on them? Well, they'd been eating those uh, chocolate coins after Christmas and they'd left these wrappers strewn all over their bed. So she cleaned up all of those and chucked them into the bin and i think there was a pair of socks or something she said she picked up because it had a hole they'd got a hole in them and she chucked them in the bin with them with the, these wrappers she came downstairs to get the hoover i had a day off work the kids were at school by the way but i had a day off work so i was just kind of lounging around the house um taking a break and whatever and so she'd gone upstairs with the hoover and halfway up the stairs she calls down to me and she says rich come, come and look at this so I walk up the stairs after and no word of a lie, on top of the landing, these foil wrappers are in a pyramid formation, all crunched together like this, with a pair of socks resting right on the apex. Now, it was so bizarre because there, this, this is physically impossible uh, for this to, to occur. It was like the socks were being held or suspended by an invisible wire, like from the ceiling. Uh, right on top of this this pyramid of uh, of wrappers, these the gold coin wrappers. Um, obviously, when you're in that situation, you see something bizarre like that. Your your first thought isn't, oh, I'll go and get my camera and take a picture of this. Me being who I am and like wanting to know how things work, and I reached out with my finger and touched it. And as soon as I touched it, we got this static shock, and the whole thing just collapsed. Socks fell off. The all the wrappers came apart. So, yeah, that was definitely the weirdest um, experience in that house anyway. That's terrifying. So what do you think is going on in, the, in that house? What, what, what do you think the presence is? Where did it come from originally? Yeah, well, I can tell you that um, it wasn't just that house. Every house we've moved into afterwards and the flat that she, my uh, partner lived in before that, she had experiences and she kept seeing this this um, i've actually got a picture of this shadow person which i can send to you as well taken by one of the children and it, it, it's freaky honestly it's really really freaky but um i don't think it haunted the house i think it was haunting her because when she was about 15 or 16 she did a ouija board and um they were just they were just messing around uh only two of them uh, her and a friend and they both got the fingers on the glass and the glass started moving. And obviously they were blaming each other saying, no, come on, you're moving the glass. No, no, you're moving the glass. I'm not doing it. So they asked, they said, if, if there's anybody here, can you give us a sign? And the phone in the house immediately, uh, the house phone just rung once like, and then stopped. And they, they looked at each other kind of thinking, oh, that was 
really freak about. I don't. Maybe somebody just rang and they got, realized they got the wrong number. So they asked again. They said, "If that was you, can you give us another sign?" And the candles that, because they'd lit, they'd lit candles and put them around the Ouija board. The candles flared up really high like that for a split second, then went back down. And um, she thinks that ever since she did that, whatever entity was there that night doing those things has followed her. And uh, even in this house here, I've had some strange experiences. And this is a new build as well, so. It sounds uh, like something fresh out of a horror horror film with old like candles sort of like spark. Well, not spark, but you know what I mean? Like sort of um, grow massive in flame. Yeah, I've, I've heard many stories about like um, doing like Ouija boards and stuff like that can sort of like um, open uh, open doorways and whatnot. Um, I mean, I've... I mean, I've, I I went on this ghost um, say this ghost tour or experience. It, it was like uh, this really old cottage, and um, there's like there was a load of group of people, like a load of randomers that they put you in groups, and then for whatever reason they had load of Ouija boards, and it was like yeah, go and have a go. But um, yeah, I was just doing it with these random people, and I, I felt like it was fake. I felt like someone was like spelling something out, which was like a load of nonsense. But um, yeah, I I can imagine that being actually like quite terrifying when mm. you're with someone that you trust and um and all those things all happening around you. I mean, definitely get my heart heart rate <laughs> racing. I remember once when I was here. This is my little office. You see, this is where I, I kind of do all the recording things. You can see my tablet behind and everything like that where I am. Um, record the narrations and then edit the videos together. I think it was around 2019. We'd not been living here very long. I've, I've lived here probably about four years now. And um, it was just when one of the new Marvel films had just come out, um, whatever it was at that time. You probably know better than me. I'm not, one I, of I, many. I've kind of lost my <laughs> patience with them now, so I don't pay any attention. Like, but um, yeah, so she'd taken the the older two. So I should I should mention that Thomas and Callum, the the, the kids from the first stories, that they've obviously grown up and they're seventeen and. The ones just the other ones just turned sixteen, so like thirteen or fourteen. So she took them to the cinema, and I was left with our three uh, smaller children. Um, the twins were one year old, and Hudson, my uh, the middle child, he was um, I think about three. So anyway, I'm sat in this office. I'm working away. They've all gone to bed. It's probably about half nine, ten o'clock at night. And I'm just sitting here working, editing uh, a video together. And I hear the the bathroom pull switch go, you know, it's a very distinctive sound. And I think, oh, Hudson must have gone to the toilet. And then I, no sooner have I had that thought, I think, actually, he's not even tall enough to reach the switch. So what the hell's just... I, so, I, you know, I go upstairs and I'm thinking maybe one of the older lads has stopped behind and didn't actually bother going to the cinema. And I check their rooms. Nobody's in there. As I'm walking past the, the bathroom, the light switch is actually swinging in a circular motion as if somebody's just pulled it and left it kind of. But the light's not on. So I'm thinking, that's, that's really weird. I go into Hudson's room. He's flat out asleep, snoring. <laughs> There's no way he's got out of bed. And even if he could, like I say, he, he's not tall enough to reach it. Uh, and he was na he was uh, potty training at the time, so he would have been in his nappy anyway. Um, 
So, obviously, I'm a bit creeped out. I'm thinking to myself, well, what the hell has pulled this switch? But as I'm walking back downstairs, I walk past the master bedroom, which has got an ensuite bathroom. And I hear the pull switch go in there as I'm walking past the door. And I burst into my room. I go running into the ensuite bathroom, lights off, but the pull switch is swinging in a circular motion like this, as if somebody's just pulled it. And I think, Jesus Christ, you know, I, I, I basically come back downstairs and I shut my dog <laughs> in the in the room with me, basically, and uh, try to ignore anything that's going on upstairs at the time. But Hudson, my, my uh, he's, he's now seven. I remember him saying to me, he come down one morning and he was saying, um, the Black Star was outside my room last night. I looked at him, I thought, Black Star, what are you talking about? And he said, you know, the Black Star. You know, I'm just sitting looking at it, thinking, what what on earth are you trying to tell me? Like, you know. Anyway, he, he keeps going on about this for, for two weeks. Um, two or three weeks, he keeps saying about this Black Star, saying that it was outside in the garden, hovering above the ground. Okay, fair enough. I just think he's just having a dream or something like that. Probably about three or four months later, Cosford Air Show is coming up. It's quite a big air show around where I live, um, which is in the Midlands area. So, you know, it's it's going to be his first air show. And I think, oh, if I get him in the mood, we'll watch some sort of jet fighter planes on, uh, on YouTube. So we're watching these uh, airplane videos and... Um, the F-17, F-117 Nighthawk comes on and he immediately goes, that's the, that's the Black Star. That's the Black Star. And he's adamant that this is the Black Star. And I said, you saw that hovering outside your window? And he went, yeah, that's the Black Star. That is. That's the time the owls were jumping through the trees outside my room, uh, through the branches, because he's got a tree right outside of his um, bedroom. So obviously two things go through my mind at that point. Um I don't know if you know, but the Skinwalker Ranch stories, Terry Sherman always talked about the F-117 shaped UFO that hovered over the ranch. Now, my kid doesn't know anything about that. He's, I mean, I wouldn't let him watch anything to do with that, this, you know, this kind of thing. But he's mentioned it straight from the horse's mouth. He's, mouth, he's talking about this um, thing hovering outside his window that looks like an F-117. And then obviously the owls hopping around outside his window. I know it was used in the, the fourth kind as like a horror trope, but it is actually a thing with abductees. They talk about how they see owls as a, um, it's almost like a, a trick of the mind to convince you, obviously, that you're seeing something that you're not. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really, really weird and really freaky. It's just a kind of a side story, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> Man, as somebody with such a creative mind, you know, not a lot must scare you, but it sounds like you've experienced some terrifying things throughout your life. So we're on your ghost stories about 25 episodes into our podcast. And I've got to say, your stories have really, really given me a chill. As a writer yourself, are there any writers or directors that really inspire you with uh, bedtime stories or? Oh, obviously, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. I'm massive fan of his stuff and i just love the way he writes as well he's such a such a great writer um so 
Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say as far as writers are concerned, it would be it would be H.P. Lovecraft and as uh, directors. Not really, not that I can think of. Most horror films are are pretty, you know, <laughs> they're not very good, are they? It's but, hard to find a good one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, M. Night Shyamalan stuff, his early stuff, you know, like the um, Sixth Sense and all that. I thought were really well written, um, but yeah, he's, he he kind of yeah kind of went. Um, off at a tangent didn't he started making a lot of garbage i guess but i mean he, i think he's found his groove he's, he's uh you know later later on i mean some of the later stuff he did was was very good but yeah yeah sometimes it's a bit of hit or miss isn't it um but then that's that's with like most sort of like the horror sort of like genre anyway you either get those uh, really good sort of like films that really stick in your head um, I think um, what's that one? The Descent, where they will go underground, uh, cave in, really and then they. I, I do like that one. These like creatures. Yes, yeah. I, so I really enjoyed that. Then I think I think they brought out another one, and I think that was awful. But um, but as, as, again, with mm. uh, was it Forty Days of Night about the whole sort of like vampires in the Alaska? Absolutely amazing. And then I, I, I was in Tesco's, and uh, this was years ago, and. Um, I, there was meant to be like a sequel to it so i bought it and i watched it It was absolutely rubbish and i took it back to uh, tesco's and went, uh can i return this please and she goes what's wrong with it when it's a really bad film so no no sorry we're, we're not like um blockbusters um we can't take it back unless it's damaged and i was like oh okay but you know what what terrified me as a kid was uh predator yes yeah the first yeah. the first predator um yeah that was absolutely terrible my, my my parents actually let me watch that when i was about five or six years really old. <laughs> um, i i think it was i think it was a done thing in the 80s obviously they marketed all the toys for terminator and predator to kids yeah yeah so they knew they knew kids were watching it um but all my mates watched it you know i, I honestly think that was a done thing and I, I just remember being in the video shop when predator 2 come out mm. <laughs> and we're standing at the counter my mom's renting some film for her and my dad and then me and my brothers noticed Predator Two's out. It's just come out on video, and we're like, "Oh, Predator Two, Predator 2. And my mom picks it up and goes, "And I'll have that as well for the kids." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy. On our last podcast that we did, I was just uh, we were chatting about how I think I was ten years old when I watched The Exorcist. Oh well, God, yeah. I don't. I still don't think I've ever watched that. Yeah, it's don't let your kids watch it. No. <laughs> No, I don't. I wouldn't let my I wouldn't let my kids watch anything like that. Anyway, it's all. Well, then again, Disney can be just as bad with the uh, yeah. subliminal messages they put in there. Yeah, uh, without definitely. saying too much. Um, but... Yeah, my my dad was yeah. actually uh, he he um watched the Exodus when it come out back whenever it was in the seventies or something, and that actually um sort of like petrified him. And uh, I think he had like nightmares for like two weeks or something. But I actually saw the Exorcist in uh, in the theatre. And it was actually, I, I thought, well, what's, what's this going to be like? You know, I was dragged along to it and I thought, oh, this is going to be a load of crap. And I was absolutely hooked. Uh, it had, um, what's it called? Sir Ian McKellen was doing like the voice of like the, the demon or the devil. And it was just, it was so sort of like captivating and horrifying with like just watching people sort of like acting it out. They had like proper sets and everything. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was really good. I was going to say that the, the last film that absolutely terrified me was Paranormal Activity, the first one. Uh, it, it affected me for about two, I couldn't sleep for about two weeks after watching that. And I, yeah, I was in my twenties when it came out. Um, but obviously, being having the experiences that I've had, 
I thought, oh my God, that is, that is just an awful kind of situation to be in. And you hear all these stories about how entities attach themselves to people and stuff. Yeah. And that's what that film was all about. It was, you know, so. And then the franchise got really bad. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one weren't too bad, but then yes. three and four and then five, however many there are. Starts just, yeah, yeah, start going on about different. cults and stuff. And it's just like, nah, you've, you've, you've overcooked it here. Mm. Going back to um, the YouTube channel, I uh, I actually remember finding bedtime stories years ago um, when I was I was at work once. There was not much work to do, and I was like looking up uh, David Icke um, conspiracies about like reptilians and then aliens, and somehow it led me on to finding uh, bedtime stories. You know, and since then I've been sort of hooked, like from all the like the captivating narration and storytelling to the amazing artwork, which as you said earlier i sort of uh, seen it massively progress and become more animated over the years and it's that originality and high quality content that just uh, stuck with me and with your channel but um how long does it take to produce an episode with the bar being set so high and how do you deal with the stress that comes with it it's not so it's not so bad actually because obviously i've, I've got the, the team behind me as well so i've got the the writer doing all the right i mean I, when we first started out i mean i was doing all the writing and recording and then all the editing and everything like that um which was which was very stressful especially if you're trying to grow your channel you've got to kind of um defer to the algorithm and if you don't re uh, produce content regularly you, you you get punished for that as we've gone on obviously i hired simon who's the main writer now he, he basically writes pretty much every episode i still have a crack at it every now and then um but that's that has taken a lot of stress away because it, he's really really quick and he's he, he got the tone down to a t pretty much you know within the first few attempts uh, when he first joined the team he was he's just been uh you know really really good and it's really helped me out a lot and obviously mikey does the artwork so in in terms of uh amount of time it takes obviously simon's always building up a back catalogue of episodes i've always got like a list of episodes to choose from on, on what to cover for that week um which i then brief into mikey it takes mikey about i'd say seven seven or eight days to do the artwork um sometimes less sometimes more it depends how complex it is and in the meantime i'll record the narration uh i know the episodes are 20 minutes long but i actually record so many mistakes i think i my recordings actually range from an hour to an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So you're talking about 55, 45 to 55 minutes of mistakes that I edit out and retakes and everything like that. Um, and that can sometimes take the whole day, depending on how motivated, how motivated I am to do it. Um, and then stitching the video together, that probably takes another day. So, um, yeah, I'd say the whole process probably, if, you, if you're talking about writing, then the artwork, then the editing together, probably two and a half weeks to do one episode. But um, because we're all working at the same time, you can condense that into one week to get it produced. When a new one pops up, it's straight away there, like there on my feed. But um, that's that's the one good thing sort of about bedtime stories is, I mean, I've watched them all. I've watched them all over the years. But as soon as a, ne a new episode comes out, I straight away want to watch it and then it's just like oh I want another one I want another one so it's that sort of like it just keeps drawing you in and it's just like you guys you do a fantastic job of um really sort of like telling these great stories that take me away from my mundane day job 
<laughs> I probably shouldn't be listening to, you know, watching videos at work, but unless my boss, yeah. unless my boss is going to start listening to my podcast, he's not going to know. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we've actually just relaunched our podcast as well under um, uh, Ballin Studios. You know, Mister Ballin. Yes, yeah, I know Mister Ballin. Well, not yeah, not so personally. We... But... <laughs> well, I didn't until I, I I did go to London to meet him actually. Uh, to, obviously, to talk about the the whole partnership. He's a really cool guy, you know, really down to earth and everything. And uh, yeah, but we, we obviously we signed the partnership with him, and um, he he's basically his his company Ball and Studios. They they've relaunched it under new branding. It's still Bedtime Stories, but they've rebranded it slightly and repackaged it and. Instead of doing one episode or one story per episode, they're they're coupling them up, so it's actually two stories in one episode now. And we're just re-releasing all our old stuff, mixed in with new stuff, and there'll also be some exclusive episodes as well. So, uh, yeah, it relaunched Sunday, I think. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It got to number number twenty four in the world already. <laughs> Sorry, I'm blowing my <laughs> trumpet. Yeah. Number twenty four in the world in, in that's you know, great. Yeah, basically, that it's all over the world. Yeah, so you know, uh, much better than we we did on our own. Anyway, I don't think we ever cracked the top hundred. You know, so so did you uh, did you first start off um, doing podcasts first before um, the YouTube channel? Uh, about two weeks before, yeah, um, and it, that was only because it was ready to go before the artwork. So I'd recorded the narration, and I thought, well, I can. And just surely I can just, you know, repurpose this and make a podcast out of it. And that's what I did. And it kind of worked on that in the background while I was waiting for the first lot of artwork to come in for the other episode. So technically, yeah, the podcast did actually launch probably a week or two before the channel. Yeah. But that's all been pulled down now. I I was really gutted when they told me, they said, oh, we've pulled it all down. It's just like, you know, that's six years worth of work. (laughs) And they're just, yeah. But, yeah, one of those things. There are so many great episodes out there and stories to the Bedtime Stories channel. Do you have a favorite <laughs> that you could recommend for our listeners at home to go and check out? Oh, God, that's a tough one. So putting you on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, it's not the most, I wouldn't say it's the most captivating in terms of, like, creep factor. But my favorite, probably my favorite ever mystery um, and my favorite episode—it's got to be Flannelals, the Flannelals uh, Lighthouse Mystery, because it was the—it was the episode that um, launched the channel. And I've always been fascinated by, you know, you got these three lighthouse keepers on a isolated, uninhabited, and almost inaccessible island, you know, and they—they they just vanish. Why? They're on cliffs, three hundred feet tall. How the hell can anything touch them? So yeah, that's that's always intrigued me. But other than that, I would say the Dyatlov Pass incident is um, you know, a really big favourite of mine and also the Skinwalker Ranch stuff. And we 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 uh, kind of evolved that into the other ranch stories that we started doing, you know, the Colorado ranches. Um uh, we've done two um two ranches in Colorado that have also uh, incidents of um high strangeness. So yeah, they're in a similar vein. So I'd say that's that's kind of my favourite subject. That whole thing of um, just weird happenings, like Canic Chase as well. You know, that's uh, an area in the UK. I don't know if you've ever kind of been up this neck of the woods, but it's just down the road from me, and you always hear like really strange tales about that place from lights in the sky, werewolves, and 
even Sasquatch has been seen there. Like so, last week uh, we had um, we had a guest who um, he writes the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods um, books. William Sheehan. William J. Sheehan. He's uh, a really really cool guy, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I listen to podcasts when I'm at work anyway, so I, I'm well into my uh, Bigfoot and cryptids. Just listening to like, I think it's Sasquatch Chronicles. And uh, just like listening to people's sort of, sort of stories, but um, yeah, like I um, I actually learned about sort of Canic Chase from um, one of your videos. Actually, that got me into the sort oh. of like into the into the topic and looking into it because you know, other than hearing uh, one story about um, a a Bigfoot sighting in Cornwall, I think it was. Um, I don't. You don't really hear anything from the UK, so it was fascinating to sort of like find out more things. I mean, I think me and Jamie, we've been to Canuck. Um, I think we went there maybe last year. I think it was. Which we played of, a gig yeah. there, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, but didn't go up to the forest. But um, I mean, I, I want to check it out, but at the same time, I don't really want to meet anything. But I'd love to check it out because I, I hear it is uh, absolutely beautiful up there. It's it's beautiful in the day. But if you go at night, it's really, really creepy. Now, I went up a couple of weeks back with this um, with a friend of mine, um, and we got one of those ghost apps on the phone. And it's coming up with some really, really weird words. And yeah, we were walking around, and she was absolutely crap, you know, crapping herself because um, it was. It, it's like a really weird atmosphere when you're up there, and you do you do feel like you're being watched. It's um, I can't say. I mean, the only time I've ever felt like that was when. I was living in this this house with my my partner before, um, and we had this uh, poltergeist activity, and we had always had this oppressive uh, oppressive feeling when we were in bed that we were being watched. There was something in the room with us, and it was very very um, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Obvious, I guess. It's it, it like um, prominent prominent feeling. It was like a really yeah. Um, and it, it that was it was exactly the same sort of feeling that we felt at uh, Canic Chase, and uh, yeah, like I say, beautiful in the day, creepy as hell at night. Your ghost stories. Your ghost stories. I, I think there's something sort of like instinctively in us. Um... I suppose as a sort of like maybe a um to say a misfired sort of like um instinct that when us like humans are in places such as like the woods and stuff like that although we can be at peace but at the same time it's that being surrounded by all those trees not knowing what is actually out there so I, I do think that um definitely when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you say walking through the, like a forest or something like that, it can be a bit unnerving at times. I mean, um, I had it when I was in um, Gloucester, um, yeah, near somewhere near Gloucestershire, For- Forest of Dean. Yeah, I was walking through the Forest of Dean. Just had a argue. I just had an argument with um, my ex at the time, and I stormed off. And I was walking, and just you know, I was just mindlessly walking. And it was about six o'clock, and then before i know it i'm just sort of like standing there and i'm like hang on a minute i'm like i'm quite far away now i'm all on my own and i read somewhere about these wild boars and um they do live in the forest 
and uh, they can attack you. So I've started, I was sort of like uh, start psyching myself out, going, I've got to get attacked by some wild boars in a minute. And there could be a little bit of rustling, and it just set me right off. But um, I'm not saying that's what's sort of adding to you, but I know I definitely get into that sort of like um, mindset sometimes when, like, uh, yeah, they get a bit startled or something. Just, oh, yeah, terrified of pigs. Mate, mate, if, if a wild boar ever come after you, like, I, I wouldn't, well, It'll probably catch me because I'm not a fast runner, but um, mate, feed them to the pigs, Harold. <laughs> Would you rather an apparition, a really spooky apparition, or a wild boar just to appear right in front of you in the forest? A wild boar, because if there's a, a tree or something I can like swing up, you know, I'd be safe for a little while until it, you know, buggers off somewhere. But they're quite vicious, but then again, an apparition, I don't know, man. Well, you've got to ask yourself, how many people have been hurt by ghosts in, in history? I don't think there's even one recorded incident of it. So, <laughs> That's you know. a good point. Very good point. <laughs> I think I'd rather see an apparition. <laughs> uh, so, Rich, you're clearly passionate about what you do. Um, but is this path something you always saw yourself on? Uh, if you didn't start Bedtime Stories, no. what do you think you'd be doing with your life instead? Probably still in mind marketing to be honest <laughs> i mean uh, that's 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 what i was doing before this kicked off and like i say i just started it as a hobby um i really didn't expect to be leaving my uh, day job to do it full time at all um but yeah just like i guess i'm blessed in that way um that things have landed in the way they have um but yeah i, I mean if you'd have asked me when i was 16 years old what i wanted to do obviously youtube wasn't a thing then but um it, it certainly wouldn't wouldn't have been a storyteller you know i was thinking more along the lines of fighter pilot or something like that you know <laughs> better than my dreams of uh wanting to be in a rock band and, and uh yeah well actually that as well that that as well i mean obviously from the age of 16 to 25 i think 25 is about the point where i went well this isn't going to happen now because obviously you've only got a certain window to get famous as a musician yeah and after that true. it gets more and more difficult i think the, the cutoff is like late 20s and uh once you hit your late 20s you're kind of you know this isn't gonna happen the music industry just chews you up and spits you out that's one thing that we've found in the podcast community that everyone here is so welcoming so friendly and so um it feels like a community whereas when you're in a band and playing music it's kind of very competitive yeah, so many gatekeepers, but um, yeah, this we've not met any gatekeepers in uh, in the, the world of uh, podcasts. It's been great. Yeah, well, God, I remember doing gigs, and you, I, we always used to think, oh, it's it's great to be the headline act. We always went after the headline act. It, it's called the headline act, but you're not really making any headlines. You're just kind of the last one to go on. That's all it means. And uh, the amount of bands it just used to leave before you even played. That's just showing no respect whatsoever you'd stood there and watched them play and they they didn't do the same for you and obviously they'd take all their fans with them as well so you weren't really playing to anybody new you're playing to the same old people who came to your gigs yeah there's a lot of competitive um uh sort of uh mood that, that there's that competitive kind of uh, um state of mind in in music whereas this podcasting and things i think we just bounce off each other and we we, we kind of support each other in the way that you know, if one channel <clears throat> does a story on one thing, another channel will pick it up and then it kind of goes like viral. And I guess that's the the support in a way. So to everybody listening at home, 
make sure you go and check out your bedtime stories channel on youtube and now also on um you have your bedtime stories podcast is that correct yeah relaunched yeah yeah uh, whereabouts can people find um the podcast it's it's on every single major platform to be honest spotify apple uh, amazon music but i've been told because obviously bedtime stories is quite a generic term and there's so many podcasts that have that title even though when i started there was only one or two <laughs> there's been you know there's been an explosion of bedtime stories titled podcasts but um you have to search for uh bedtime store uh, sorry ball and studios and then look for bedtime stories to, to actually find it and it's um it's the uh the thumbnail is kind of like the logo of our YouTube channel, but yeah. That's a picture of a white skull, isn't isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not a picture story. of a nice fluffy little duck. Uh, <laughs> a little exactly, children's yeah. bedtime it's stories. Not, not that kind of bedtime story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These are not the stories children want to hear for sure. No. Well, it's been such a pleasure. Unless you're from the 90s. <laughs> It's been such a pleasure yeah. to have you on, uh, Rich. So thank you so much for your time and uh, for, for joining us. Yep, thank you for having me. It's been, it's been fun. Cheers, man. That's awesome. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, for coming on and doing that with us. That's uh, been great. Thank you.